You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. This morning, I want to go back to the book of Leviticus, if you would, if you would turn with me there. Leviticus chapter number uh, 14 is where we'll take our text at. Again, we're not going to be the same text, but be starting reading in verse number 14. I do want to say uh, uh, exciting things going on here at Faith Worship Center, uh, actually things that are over my head. Uh, I appreciate Brother West, Sister Cammy, Sister Megan has been working on uh, the podcast and things. Um, they've been working on it, put a lot of time, and uh, again, I could, we couldn't, it wouldn't be available without their willingness uh, to help, and so uh, we make that available for you. I've had people that don't go to this church uh, that has uh, called and asked and talked about uh, the podcast, and so we or finally were able to get it, and so we thank God for that and thank the Lord for the availability or, or the opportunity to be available, and so we thank them so much for, uh, for doing that. Leviticus chapter 14, I won't hold you a long time. I am going to teach a little this morning, and I'm going to uh, try to slow down. I want you to see some things. I want you to know this morning that I, I, I just love the Word of God. I love the perfection of the Word of God from the very beginning to the very end and how it all ties together in harmony. There are no mistakes in the Word of God. There's no contradictions. It's perfect. Man can't do that. Man can't do that because man is imperfect. Giving us a Bible that is written, inspired by God the Holy Spirit himself. I want you to know this morning, if you're holding a Bible, you have a, you have a written word of the Lord. That, that is a true word of God that he has made available to us. And it's something that we ought to cherish. Amen. So not this morning, I'm going to slow down and do a little teaching. I'm not going to bore you. I'm going to do a little bit of an illustration. But there's some things I want you to see here in Leviticus, and I think that it will be something that you cherish also. Leviticus chapter 14, starting in verse number 14. Don't let it be too confusing. We're going to back up and look at it and make sure that we understand this morning, and it's just, we're going to make it as simple as what we can. Starting here in verse number 14, the Bible says, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger into the oil that is in his left hand, and shall sprinkle of the oil which with his fingers seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot, upon the blood of the trespass offering. And the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall pour upon the head of him who is to be cleansed, and the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord." I'm going to break these scriptures down this morning. Last week I was on the cleansing of the leper, and this morning I want to be on the restoring of the leper. How many knows that Jesus didn't die just to cleanse you? He died to restore you. So we want to look at that this morning. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that the Lord would help us today? done for the hearts and lives that has been changed today and Lord we just pray today that you would continue to move upon our hearts I pray that you would open our ears to hear your word open our hearts to receive and anoint God my lips Lord to rightly divide this great word of truth 
And I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Last week, I tell you what, as we get started, I want to do something right off the bat here. As you say, and not move them. I see Brother Jeff looking at me. Can you help me, Pastor Brian? We're going to move this pulpit and bring a chair up here real quickly. I want to set it right over here, kind of to a, to a slant. Perfect. That'll work. I want to bring my chair out, if you would, and set it right here. Last week, we looked at the cleansing of the leper, and we started in Leviticus chapter number 13. Leviticus chapter number 13 gives us the inspection that the priest would do, the inspection of the leper. Some things that we learned, and I'm not going to re-preach, but I feel that we need to recall in order to set a foundation for today, uh, is, is the reason that the Lord has has the reason the Lord cleanses the leper and the reason that the leper is, uh, is restored is so that we can be brought back into relationship with God. I want to tell you this this morning, uh, the leper, as a reminder, is a leper is a type of sin. It's a type of the sinner. It's a type of each and every one of us that is brought before the Lord. And so keep that in mind when we're looking at it. And I brought proofs of that out last week so that you would understand. I'm not just pulling leprosy out and saying this is a type of sin. Well, let me just tell you this morning. The reason that leprosy is a type of sin is because it was the only what they seen as a physical sickness or illness that was brought to the priest and not brought to a doctor or to a physician. We understand that Jesus didn't die just to save us, but he died so that we could have a more abundant life and be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And I've always got to repeat it because I want you to understand and I want you to think about what I'm going to say. The very evidence... That you have been saved, you're born again, and that your name is in the Lamb's book of life, is that you are being changed. You're being changed. Now, if your answer in your mind or in your heart is, well, I'm really not being changed, then that's a good opportunity for you to check your relationship with the Lord. Because Jesus didn't come into your heart and leave you like he found you. Amen. He didn't leave you like he found you. Let me ask you this. What is the point coming to Jesus if he's going to leave you the exact same way as that he found you? Can I tell you this morning that most people don't come to the Lord because they fear a place called hell? I know I've sat under uh, uh, preachers and different messages where they tried to scare you into getting saved. But if they can scare you into it, the devil can still talk you out of it. I want you to know hell is not a literal thought to most people today because we've never seen a lake of fire. We don't know what it's like. In fact, a lot of times until, well, I'll say this, until you get saved, heaven is not a literal thought because we can we can only imagine what it would be like. Most all people will come to the Lord because they want a change in their life. And I want to tell you this morning, according to the Word of God, a change they will find. Because when Jesus comes in and the power of the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, He will bury the old man and raise a new man he will not leave you like he found you I'm just going to be bold and say it if there's no change there's probably not a born again experience he cleanses the leper and then he restores the leper last week in Leviticus chapter number 13 we learn 
For the problem of leprosy, or that of sin, one was brought to the priest, which was, we know as Jesus. I don't have it down, but I want you to look at Hebrews 4 and 14. We know Jesus is the great high priest. He was appointed as the great high priest. There'll never again be another priest. I know that that kind of rubs people the wrong way a little bit. There will never again be one that can hold the position of a great high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession I want you to know this morning uh, I don't care what title the world gives you there is but one great high priest and his name is Jesus don't go to a man and confess your sins go to the one that is able to take your sins away praise the Lord another thing we learn is that he is impatient or that he is patient he is inspecting us over and over and over again. He would look at you and if he found leprosy or sin, he'd put you away for seven days and he would come back and inspect again. If he found sin, he'd put you away and he'd come back and inspect again. He didn't stop the process. He didn't give up on you. He wasn't trying to declare you unclean. He was trying to declare you clean. Listen, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were declared unclean the moment we were born. Jesus is not trying to condemn you John 3 17 for the son of God came not to condemn man but that the world through him might be saved he's trying to find you clean and we're found clean by our faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary is there anybody in here this morning that's like me and thank God that he didn't give up on me he didn't just walk away when he found an imperfection. He didn't throw the clay away. He kept molding and making and forming and picking out imperfections until he could deem me clean. Thank God for that. We also learn that the shaven head represented that we are bare and naked before God. There is nothing hidden. I know in my own life, I'm going to be real plain. I know in my own life, and I know by conversations that I've had with other people, there's things about me that God knows that my spouse doesn't know. And I said that to say this, there's things that we think we have hidden. And to be honest, there's things we do have hidden, except for one. You are bare and naked before God. The shaven head represents there is nothing that we can hide before the Lord. He knows everything about you. <laughs> yeah, that's scary also. But it's something to rejoice about when you think that he didn't give up on me. He wanted me anyway. He knows me, and in spite of me, he still wanted me. Jesus knows everything about us, and nothing is hidden. We learned that the rent clothes represents that there's nothing that can cover our sin except for the blood sacrifice. Nothing can cover our sin. Adam and Eve tried fig leaves. It wouldn't work. Nothing can cover our sin except the blood of the sacrifice. Listen to me, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, teenagers, young men, young women, listen. There is a day that we're going to stand before the Lord. Listen to me. 
We can take that day, that judgment now, or we can take it at the great white throne, and there you don't want to be. But I want you to know this morning, when we stand before God bare and naked, we stand there alone. Mom and dad won't be there. Your pastor won't be there. Your mentor won't be there. Your spouse won't be there. Your boyfriend won't be there. Your girlfriend won't be there. Listen, you need to understand, we take responsibility for our own fallen nature and our own sin and the only way to escape that judgment is to place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. That's all of us. We learn this. The washing of the garment that was on the outside of his clothes meant that everything that pertained to my life was to be cleaned and to be changed. I don't need to be blunt because I've never, I'm not going to I'm going to be careful what I say. Some things I don't understand. I've had people that I've dealt with called, spent a lot of time on the phone. And I understand that drugs is a great bondage. I don't understand it by personal experience, but I know that drugs is a great bondage. I can't tell you what all that drugs will do to you and how great of a bondage. I can tell you what Jesus has done for you and how great of a victory that he's already given you. But I want you to know I have talked to people that has been bound by drugs and over and over as I begin to visit with them. They get in trouble over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the outsider looking in, you're thinking, well, they must love the, they must like it in jail. You know, they must like this. They must like, I, I, I don't know. I've had people tell me that, you know, well, it's hard to resist when they're coming to your front door with it. And I'm thinking, your phone ain't broke because I'm talking to you on your phone. Why didn't you call the cops if they come to the front door? Some things I just don't understand. But here's what I do understand. That if you give your heart and your life to Jesus, you no longer, the garment is a type of the entirety of my life changing. And when my entire life changes, the people I hang out with will change. The way I talk will change. The places I go, it will change. The things I listen to will change. The things I watch on television, it will change. The things that I give my money to will begin to change. Because Jesus changes everything about our life. Everything about our life. The garment, again, you can't get saved and tell me that there's no change happening because I don't know what you got saved from. But it's not biblical changing. He will change everything about us. And then there's the cleansing. The cleansing. When we look at the cleansing, the, the priest, he came out of camp. Verse number 3 of chapter number 14. He came out of the camp. In other words, he came to where we was. None of us could get to Jesus within ourselves. So he came to where we was. Let me tell you this. Some of us he found in a pretty low state. Some of us he found in rock bottom. Some people he finds that feel like they're just high and mighty, way up on the mountain. Some people he found in a river that's about to drown in their circumstances. Some people he'll find bound by legalism and they'll just come to him like Nicodemus did and at night because he didn't want nobody else. Somebody, somebody he may have found that, uh, that wasn't even expecting to get found, but all of a sudden, you know, Jesus was found by those that wouldn't even look for him. But I want you to know this. I don't know where you was. 
I don't know what you was entangled in. I don't know what you're in today. I don't know what you're bound by today. But don't you think that Jesus won't get all messed up and get dirty in the situation that you're in. I want you to know this morning, He will come to where you're at and pull you out of the muck and mire to save your soul from a devil's hell. He'll come to where you're at. He came out of the camp. No matter what mess we're in. And then there's the cleansing. I got to look at it again at verses 4 through 7. Real quickly. I, I won't spend a lot of time on this because I got to get to my text. In verse number 4 he says, Then shall the priest command to take for him who is cleansed two birds alive and clean, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthly vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take the cedar wood, the scarlet, the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He took a bird. He took the scarlet wood, which was a type of the cross of Calvary. He also took, or not the scarlet, he took, let me back up, let me make sure I'm right. He took the scarlet thread, he took the cedar wood, and he took the hyssop. The scarlet thread was a type of his blood. The cedar wood was a type of the cross, and the hyssop was a type of his humanity, meaning Romans 5 is right when he said that Jesus was our last representative man. He took all of these and he put them in an earthly vessel. He killed a bird under running water. The running water was a type of the Word of God, washed by the Word of God. I want you to know all of our doctrine, all of our faith must be based upon the foundation of the Word of God or it's no good. Your opinion don't matter. My opinion don't matter. And I don't care how good it sounds. How theological and all of these things, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's no good. But he took the bird and he washed it under the water. And then he took that bird. He killed that bird, took the wood, took the scarlet, took the hyssop, put it in an earthly vessel, and then he took the live bird. We have the cross. We have the blood. We have the humanity of Christ. The earthly vessel is also a type of the humanity of Christ. And he dips the live bird down in. And he brings it up out of the blood. And he takes the bird as a type of the resurrection. Because when you get saved, an old man is buried and a new man is raised up to life. Praise the Lord. That's the cleansing of the leper. Now that he's made clean, he's brought back into fellowship. Once in fellowship, his life was a witness of the powerful work of God. There was a leper that was outside of the camp. All of a sudden, the priest went out there, washed him, made him clean, and he brings him right back into the fellowship. He brought him right back in to the body of Christ. Do you know that there was a time that we was in relationship with Jesus, relationship with God back in the garden? And because of the fall of man, when we partook of the forbidden fruit, we was exiled. 
when we were exiled, when we partook of the forbidden fruit, our relationship with God was broken. Do you know what God wants? Do you know up till the time of the cross was some 4,000 years? We're looking now at some six or, or 4,000 uh, uh, years before the cross and that before Jesus ever come. Do you know what God was doing and what God was wanting for those 4,000 years? All he was wanting to do was to bring man back in relationship with him. That's all he wanted. That was his goal. He just wanted to be in relationship with you. He just wanted to be in relationship with me. What Jesus done on the cross of Calvary now brings us back into relationship. It made more full circle. God made a way that we could be in relationship with him and bring us back into fellowship with God. One-on-one fellowship. That's what God wants. His plan was not marred. It was not messed up in the beginning. It wasn't a bad plan in the beginning. And it's still a good plan today. His life was a witness. If we're saved, our life needs to be a witness. Good time for me to ask you a bad time to answer. But is your life a witness of the powerful work of Christ? Is your life a witness? Do your friends know? Do your co-workers know? That you are born again by the blood of Christ. Our life has to be witness. All of us should be. He died to save and he died to change us. Now, I know I read a mouthful, but I want to keep it simple. I want to try to bring out a few truths. And again, I cut in the middle. There's no way to get in all of this and there's no way to to finish it today. But I want to bring out a few truths so that we, we can grasp the this lengthy ceremonial process that they had, and all of it points to Jesus and what he would do on the cross of Calvary. Let me bring out a few things. Lane, would you help me this morning? The ceremonial process of the priest to the leper. Got your chair ready. The priest to the leper. When he brought them back into the camp, he was going to announce that the leper had been made clean. The first thing that I want to bring out to you that's just in my heart is what this lengthy process, we're gonna, I'm going to just give you an explanation. I'll bring it together. You'll understand it. The sin offering, the trespass offering, the wave offering, the burnt offering, the mean offering, all of these were done, and everything that was done was for to, to, to present him back to the, to the, to the to relationship with God. Now here's the first thing that I want you to see. This man, this leper, was outside of the camp, and all of a sudden he was brought into the camp, and now everything stops because we're going to do a sin offering, a trespass offering, a wave offering, a burnt offering, and a meat offering to bring him back in relationship. Here's what I want you to see. Everything that Jesus done and everything that this ceremony is about is pointing to Jesus and his work for the leper, for the sinner. Now watch this. This is all about you. This is all about you. He did every bit of this. Look, this ain't for the congregation of Israel. This ain't for everybody that was there. It's all about you. The Lord's going to do all of this, and he goes through all the details for the individual, for you. And on the eighth day, the Bible says, if we look back at verse number 10, on the eighth day, Leviticus 14 and 10, 
I want you to see the first part of it. On the eighth day is when he does it. I'm not going to read all that because I want you to stick with this. Watch this. Can you get up for me? He's outside the camp. He goes out, does his cleansing, and on the eighth day, he brings him back up. He can sit down. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. We started the week over. Seventh day is the day of perfection. It's when God rested. But on the eighth day was resurrected day. They started over again. He brought me back in. <laughs> I'm liking this a whole lot more than they are. He brought me back in, resurrected as a new man, the eighth day. And he presented me to relationship with God. There's been a new man resurrected. And verse number 11, I want to look at verse number 11 also. Verse number 11, the priest makes him clean. He shall present the man that is made clean and those things before the Lord at the door, uh, at the door of the tabernacle of the, of the congregation. Verse number 11, I've kind of stepped on with verse number 10, but he presents the man. Do you understand? Again, this is still all about you. The moment that you get saved, do you know the moment that you're born again? Do you have any idea what's happening? The power of the Holy Spirit is taking you. It's all about you. Baptizing you into Jesus. He's raising you up as a new man. It's all about you. He's presenting you before God. Baptized into Christ. It's all about you. The angels are rejoicing in heaven because there's been a new name written down in glory. It's all about you. God is now back in relationship with one that was astray. He left the 99 to go and get the one. The one was all about you. You need to understand this morning. Uh, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. I'm glad he's the Savior of the world, but I'm more glad that he's my Savior this morning. Uh, he came to save you, but thank God he came to save me this morning. Amen. It's all about us. It's all about me as an individual on verse number 11. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these texts, but I want to tell you this. The offerings begin. Now that we're presented unto the, the, the cup to God back in relationship, the offerings begin. All of these offerings, now watch this, it's not complicated. It's very simple. I want you to see this. There's many different animals. Verse number 21 and verse number 22 of this chapter, we don't got to turn there right now, will tell you there's many different, I'll go ahead. Chapter 14, verse 21 and verse number 22. We just want to look at it so you don't take my word, word for it. The priest. And if he be poor, watch that. If he be poor. Anybody in here besides me know what it's like to be poor? Amen. Cannot get so much. He shall take a lamb for a trespass offering to be waived, an atonement for him, one-tenth deal of fine uh, flour mingled with oil for a meat offering and a log of oil. It's cut way down. Verse number 22, watch this. And two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he's able to get, whatever he's able to get, and the one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. You know what this means? There was many different types of animals that could be offered for all of these offerings. But there were a lot of poor people in the camp also. But so... The Nobody was left out. God did not restrict it to a... 
perfect uh, or to a uh, the, some kind of special animal. He didn't restrict it. Everything had to be perfect. Even if it was a pigeon, it was inspected. But it didn't have to be a certain kind of animal. In other words, he said this, just bring whatever you can afford and it'll work for the sacrifice. In other words, I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you don't got two nickels to rub together. I don't care what your financial state is. You can be blood bought by the blood of the Lamb by faith in what Jesus done on the cross. Listen to this. Now I know that for the majority of the world, that gospel's not going to fly. Because they're preaching, if you're saved, you ought to be rich. They're preaching a false prosperity gospel. And the, one of the main problems is, and it aggravates me as a preacher, that they don't even talk about salvation. The word of faith doctrine now has turned to getting you to properly confess so much that they don't even address salvation. It's all about your confession and making you feel good. I want you to know you can confess till you're blue in the face. You can be the richest guy in the world. I don't care who you are. If you don't come by the way of the blood uh, through the narrow gate, you don't come at all. We got to come by the blood of Jesus. Now, he says this when we get to we get now to the sin offering. The sin offering and the trespass offering go hand in hand. The trespass offering, these were called. The most holy. Get that. Sin offering, trespass offering, they're the most holy. In verse number 13, we see where he calls it the most holy. If you're writing down notes and you want to go back and look, Leviticus chapter number 2, verse 3, also Leviticus chapter number 7, will tell you that the sin offering and the, uh, the sin offering is most holy. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 6, verse 25. And then Leviticus chapter number 7 and 1, I want to show you some evidence of this. Speaking to Aaron and to his son, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. And the place where the burnt offering is to be killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is, watch this, most holy. Leviticus chapter 7 and verse number 1 tells us the same thing, but it's in regards to the trespass offering. He says, Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. There was holy offerings and there were most holy offerings. The trespass offering, i got to bring out a, a, a fact here. Now, at time to time, and I'm, I'm not boring anybody, am I? You're, everybody okay? We're learning a little bit. Take notes if you want, but I want you to see it. Uh, from time to time, I, I like to reverb, re, refer back to the Young's Literal Translation. Young's Literal Translation is hard to read, but it is a literal translation of the Bible. It doesn't take the place, and even Young's will tell you, it doesn't take the place of your King James but it does literally translate every single word as it's supposed to be. If we look at Leviticus chapter number 14 and verse number 13 in the Young's translation, watch this. And he has slaughtered the lamb in the place where he had slaughtereth the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For like the sin offering, the guilt offering is to the priest instead of trespass offering. He uses the word guilt because in the literal translation, trespass 
means guilt offering. Are you with me? Here's why they go hand in hand. I lost you yet? Anybody? I lost everybody with me. Here's why they go hand in hand. Because if your sins are forgiven, if the sin offering has been given, there's an automatic thing that happens. Also, not only is your sin wiped away, your guilt of sin is wiped away. Praise the Lord. We have our sin that is wiped away, and we have our guilt that's wiped away. John stood on the banks of the Jordan River baptizing those that have come that have showed fruits worthy of the repentance. But when Jesus came down to get baptized, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He didn't come just to put a Band-Aid on your sin. He came to take them away. The sin offering of the old could row them forward for one year, but Jesus took them away. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 1, if we can bring it up, says, therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Oh, I think I'm going to shout just in a minute. When he took my sin away, he lifted the burden of sin off me. Uh, He took away the guilt. Uh, I want you to know uh, there's no sin. There's no guilt. uh, There's no shame because Because of what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary. You know why they're most holy? Because there's nothing more important in your life, listen, than making sure your sins are washed away. And he can't wash your sins away without taking the guilt away. Praise the Lord. I'm I'm not used to this being here. I'm going to wind up knocking it up. But he took them away. The first thing he done is took the sin and guilt. And then we have this. We have the burnt offering. I'm going to get to you in just a minute, Lane, I promise. I didn't have you just sitting up here looking pretty. Though you're doing a good job. Yeah. We have the burnt offering. The burnt offering represented the death of Christ. His death, which would symbolize Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary. When an animal was offered for a burnt offering, especially the bird, the skin was the only thing that the priest kept. The skin being pulled off of the offering, literally it symbolized the sin being taken off of him, him being the outward man being taken off. The skin was taken off. He took the burnt offering and he offered that burnt offering uh, to the Lord and all of it, the burnt offering, went up as a sweet savor unto the Lord. And it literally symbolizes all sin being fully consumed by the fire of the burnt offering. Look, where it's sin offering, he took away our sin by the blood. Now trespassing, he took away your guilt. And now he burns, making sure that there is no more. Look, the old man is buried. Our sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. So the burnt offering symbolizes that everything that remained before Jesus came and cleansed us is now burnt and consumed. He had the meat offering. The meat offering represented the life of Christ. The life of Christ and the meat offering was meant to be eaten, literally meaning that we're supposed to consume Christ. You're supposed to consume Christ, all of Christ, not just part of it. You didn't just take the breast and leave the leg and thigh. We're supposed to consume him. Everything about him, we're supposed to consume Christ. Well, how do I consume Christ? Get in the Word. I'm not preaching law and legalism, but get in the Word. Spend some time in prayer. 
Be faithful to the house of God. You're going to hear messages that encourage your faith to grow. You're supposed to consume Christ. Every step you take ought to be something that is about Jesus. Every day that you live ought to be something that symbolizes Jesus. I ought to reflect the life of Christ continually, constantly in my own life here in the flesh now. The meat offering was to be eaten, to consume. So far, the offerings that are represented is the life, the death, the shed blood, and the absence of all guilt. Everybody with me? That's simple enough. Sin offering, trespass offering, absence of guilt, absence of sin. Burnt offering, now all sin has been annihilated. The meat offering, I've consumed Christ, and now here we're at the wave offering. The great high priest, Jesus, was a type of the wave offering. But the great high priest would take part of the offering, and he would lift it up, and he would do this. He would begin to wave it. The wave offering symbolizes that the sacrifice was above him. The sacrifice was greater. There's some people in church that needs to hear that today. The sacrifice is above all men. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what position you hold. The sacrifice of Jesus is above you. And let me just go as far as to say this. He needs to be put back in his rightful position. He's not here beside us. As far as position, he's not, let me just say that he's not just above. He is far above. The wave offering symbolizes that the offering was now a way far above the, what the priest could ever do. And he began to wave it. It also represented this. A wave was a type of celebration because it was the last thing he did. He began to celebrate. He began to wave that offering back and forth so that everybody could see. And when the leper seen that, that was cleansed. Uh, he seen that somebody was waving. You know what it done? It caused a reaction. Look at there. Another man has been cleansed. Uh, another woman has been cleansed. Uh, Another drug addict has come to the Lord. Uh, another alcoholic has been set free. Uh, another one that was in adultery has been saved. Uh, it caused a reaction. Uh, the whole congregation uh, started rejoicing uh, and celebrating uh, because of what Jesus has done in the heart and life of those that was being cleansed. It was more of a reaction than what we've seen today. But it was a wave offering. They begin to wave it to the Lord. A time to celebrate. Can I just say this, and I'll move right on, and I'm just about done. When you come into the house of God, it's a time to celebrate. It's a time to give a wave offering to the Lord and to celebrate the Lord. I've had people tell me, I know I've said this before, oh, I'm just real reserved in my worship. In other words, they're saying, I don't want to worship God because the same Holy Spirit that moves upon me moves upon you. You may not do exactly like I do. You may not stomp your foot. You may not raise your hands and wave your hands all the time. But let me tell you something else you won't do. You won't stand there like a knot on the log because when the Holy Spirit starts moving on you, he will not allow it. No, sir. No, ma'am, your excuse of I'm more reserved is translated in to I don't worship. That wasn't real good, but, but it was good, too. We come in and we give a celebration to God. We worship God for what he's done. He died for you. He took away your sins, and you can't raise your hand and give him praise. He washed away your sins, and you can't clap for him. I'm preaching good. I'm not going to quit right now. Our worship ought to be number one when we come to the house of the Lord. You know why? Because I done been worshiping Monday through Saturday. I done been in the presence of God Monday through Saturday. When we come to the house of the Lord, we ought to be ready to offer a wave offering unto the Lord. The wave offering. 
If you once was lost and now that you're found, you will have a wave offering to give to the Lord, a type of celebration of worship. By faith we received his life, his death, washed in the blood, no more guilt than we have a reason to worship. Now the leper, verse number 14. He says this. I want to bring this out and I'm going to quit. Verse number 14. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear who is to be cleansed. Stand up for me. Face me. He shall take some of the blood, put it on the tip of the right ear, and then he shall put it on the right ear of them that is to be cleansed, upon the thumb of his right hand. Thumb symbolizes, right always symbolizes authority. That's why he's here. And upon the great toe of his right foot. Authority. 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 The blood was given here so that he could hear right. Given here so that he could do right. See, I. And it was given here so he could walk right. <laughs> so if we're not doing right and walking right, the blood's probably not there. Y'all wasn't catching on quick enough. I'm just going to tell you. So he puts it upon. Now watch this. Given authority. Given authority over what? See, when you got saved, when you were born, you had a sin nature. When you gave your heart and life to the Lord, the power of the sin nature was broken. The apostle Paul says, I see another law within my members warring after the law of my flesh. There's a sin nature that has a potential to rise back up. But the divine nature, given when the blood is applied, has authority over the sin nature. And he'll help you hear right. He'll help you do right. And he'll help you walk right. Now watch this. He's not done with you. Verse number 15. The priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. He shall take the oil, pour it into his left hand. He poured it in his left hand, in the palm of his left hand. And in verse number 16, he says, The priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left, left hand and shall sprinkle of the oil on the fingers seven times before the Lord. In other words, he takes his right finger, meaning authority, into the oil. And then before the Lord, we're going to present the Lord there seven times. He presents it. He does it seven times because it is, again, number seven, the finished work. It's a complete work. What he's doing here. Is a complete work. Can I tell you this morning that if you are born again by the blood of Christ and you keep your faith in Jesus, that's a complete work. I know sometimes there are those that lose their faith and they need to come back to the Lord. If they quit believing, they need to come back to the Lord and ask them to forgive them and to restore them. And there's many that has done that. But I got good news this morning also that when the Lord dips his finger and puts it upon your ear and upon your hand and upon your thumb and symbolizes that you're cleansed, as long as you keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the devil himself can't take your salvation. He can't take your salvation. Sprinkled seven times, a finished work. It's a complete work. And then we got, and then we got verse number uh, 17. And the rest of the oil 
that is in his left hand. The priest shall uh, upon the tip of the the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of the of his right foot, and upon the blood of the trespass offering. So he takes his hand. Now that the blood's been applied, watch this upon his right ear, upon his right thumb, and upon his right toe. And he shall take the rest of it, the sacrifices here, and pour it upon the trespass offering. Here's what I want you to see. The oil, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, cannot be applied until the blood is applied. It can't be applied until the blood was applied. Why was it that they, why didn't, why was it grace, which is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit, why was it here in the old covenant? Because Jesus hadn't yet come. And the oil could not be applied until the blood was applied. And verse number 18, and we'll quit. It says, the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand shall he pour over the head of that to be cleansed. And the priest shall make an atonement for him to be the Lord. He pours the oil over his head. When he pours the oil over his head, it's talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God made everything available to us that we need in order to live for him. This is a type of grace. I want you to see this, where the grace was, where grace was applied. Romans 5 and verse number 20. See, this man just a few minutes ago was a leper that was full of sin. But now that the priest has done everything that he's done, watch this. Romans 5 and, and verse number 25, or verse number 20, I'm sorry. There's not a 25. Verse number 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But watch this. Where sin did abound a few minutes ago, grace does much more. Grace does much more abound. Because God's got more grace than what we've got sin. And as long as we keep our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. It super abounds. And i got to show you this. Galatians chapter, thank you, Pastor Brian. Lane, stay with me. Galatians chapter number 2, verse 20 and 21. says, nevertheless, I am, crucif or I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse number 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not frustrate or cut off the only help I have. Because grace didn't come by the law. If grace came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Grace is a type. The, the, the oil being poured upon us where sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. Here's what happened. All of this is a picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. He applied the blood, took away the guilt. We consume him. We offer a wave offering unto him. He puts the blood upon my right ear, my right hand, and upon my right foot. I now can hear right. I now can do right. I now can walk right. And after the blood is applied, he applies the oil, the person of the Holy Spirit. And where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I once was ruled and reigned by the sin nature, but now I'm ruled and reigned by a divine nature. I come to tell you this morning, the Lord didn't come just to cleanse the leper. He came to restore you and to set your goings so that you can live for him and to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? You can stay with us. You can sit right over there. Brother Jeff.
Would you come? Jesus. One thing I learned in my walk with the Lord after I came on to justification, there were times when I leaned on my justification so much, if this is okay for me to say, and I leaned on justification so much that I kind of put away the thought of being changed. Because now I'm saved, I know that I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. And I didn't make it a priority to be changed, to walk in the Spirit. And God has made a way that all of us can be changed and be altered into the image of Christ by applying the blood and applying the oil. I want you to know this morning, believer, it's easy for us to get in a rut. It's easy for us to just be satisfied with what we know about God. It's easy for us just to be content with where we're at in our position with the Lord. But as a believer, we should be forever growing and forever changing. And I want you to know this morning, the more of God that you consume as a meat offering, the more that you're going to want. Don't set me down at a table and give me one bite of a steak that is perfect. Uh-uh. I'm going to be sitting there staring at it. I might even take a fork and slip it from your plate to mine. Jesus is the same way. Once you've tasted, you will see that the Lord, He is good. It's easy to get in a rut. This morning in my spirit, in my heart, I just come to call out to you. Maybe you're in a rut. Maybe you're content. The blood's been applied and the oil's been applied so that you would hear right, that you would do right, and that you would walk right. And God has made that available. It's all about you. It's you and God. Your relationship in the Lord. It's all about you. God has done that just for you so that you can be forever transformed into the image of Christ. So my altar call is what I feel led this morning. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to leave you out if you don't know the Lord. It's a good time to start. But I'm going to call for the non-believer and the believer alike. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to come because we want to pray for you. This cleansing is for you this morning. The blood is sufficient for you. He'll come outside of the camp and get you and walk you back into the camp. He will do all of this. I don't care, rich or poor. It doesn't matter. He does all of this for you. But if you're here this morning and you know Jesus and you found yourself in a place where I'm content, where I'm God's touched me, God's blessed me, God's doing this. I talk to God every day, but I'm really not being changed, and I've set some things aside. I want you to know this morning, the Lord didn't save you to bring you so far and leave you. He wants to walk with us daily. Well, this morning, I'm calling out to you also. Maybe you're in a rut. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe your relationship is stale. Listen, there's still more, much more ground to be possessed in your own life. There's still much more to learn about God. There's still so much more for us to do for the kingdom. So I'm calling to you. Maybe you don't know the Lord or maybe you're stuck this morning. The altars are open. I want you to come. I invite you to come. It's a good time to pray. It's a good time to call out to the Lord this morning. Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Come on, many coming. You just want us to come. You just want us to come.
If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.